When it comes to toys, a lot of focus at this time of year is placed on the North Pole, where Santa and his army of elves are busily preparing to deliver gifts to kids around the world. But a lot of people much closer to home are equally committed to brightening the lives of children and adults with toys and games. Good morning. I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. On this morning's show, we're talking with folks in the toy industry right here in New York City. Folks like Jim Pressman, whose family has a long history of manufacturing toys. Jim's father founded the Pressman Toy Corporation back in 1922. The company is known for producing a wide range of popular toys and games, including the Play Doctor Bag. Goliath Games recently acquired Pressman Toy, but Jim remains its president. I recently caught up with him for a chat at his home office in Manhattan. Take us back to the very beginning, Jim. How did Pressman Toy come about? Uh, It was started uh, by my father, uh, Jack Pressman, and uh, we're going back 93 years. Uh, He had a toy store that uh, was located in Harlem. It was actually uh, something that uh, was uh, started by his father. He had this toy store, and he would sell marbles and and different kinds of uh, toys, and then he decided to sell to other toy stores, and that's kind of how it started. What was it like as a kid to have a dad who owned a toy store in New York City? (laughs) Uh, well, at that point, it was a full-fledged toy company, so it was pretty fun. I would go to the office located at 1107 Broadway at that time and uh, play with a bunch of games, and uh, knock hockey was one of my favorite, and uh, so it definitely had its pluses. What was the first toy or game that put Pressman on the map? Well, my father's credited for bringing Chinese checkers to America. It was something that uh, one of his sales reps had found in the southwest, in uh, Colorado, I believe. But he brought it uh, to America on a national scale, and it had nothing to do with China. But uh, that was his claim to fame, really. How did the company grow from there? Well, uh, you know, in those days, uh, it was in all kinds of toys. uh, And everything uh, was made with either glass or cardboard before plastic came around. But he was one of the first uh, toy makers to uh, use plastic in, in toys and use injection molding machines. And uh, so that was kind of what started uh, the company. And then they were one of the first companies to do licenses. They were one of the early uh, Disney licensees. And uh, that's when my mother got involved also and gave her touch to the company. Your mother gave quite the touch to the company, <laughs> didn't she? Yes, she did. She was a very famous, uh, she, her, her trademark was her hats, that she had one hat made in a variety of different materials, but it was all the one shape. Uh, but she was very flamboyant and very out there and one of the, you know, one of the pioneers of women in, in industry. Your mom's name was Lynn. That's right, Lynn, Lynn Pressman. And uh, she, uh, she, after my father passed away uh, when I was quite young, my mother ran this company for quite a number of years and uh, added quite a uh, fashion touch, which is what her... Uh, background was. She had come from the fashion industry. She was the first, right, in the country to bring toy advertisements to television. Am I right? She was one of the very first in any case. Um, I remember uh, she had uh, an an advertising agency, Adams Dana Silverstein, which was Don Adams and Bill Dana that were some of the owners. And they uh, 
brought a blimps to TV, these kind of plastic things that you blew up and then drew on, kind of like a balloon. But um, she had Roger Maris baseball. Uh, these are just a few. Superman kite. That uh, was uh, something in... Uh, at school, they would call me uh, Pressy, uh, which was kind of like a pressman toy. It was, you know, of course, they saw the commercials on TV. So more than fair to say she had a flair for merchandising and packaging. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, the, there was the uh, LP label that she put on decks of cards, kind of like a LV, like Louis Vuitton, but it was Lynn Pressman. And she definitely brought a lot of... Uh, interesting uh, packaging ideas to the industry, art and graphics that were probably, you know, ahead of their time. Give me some more examples. Well, you know, checkers and chess and Chinese checkers were always very basic kinds of games, but she added real art and just didn't show a picture of checkers. She showed pictures of, from the chess pieces like a knight and, and very graphic designs of very basic things. Your mom was steadfastly against bringing toy guns into the company, right? Nothing about war at Pressman Toy. Exactly right. Exactly right. She was that uh, very, very, very firm with that. And she often uh, talks about how she brought the doctor and nurse kits and dentist kits to the industry because her children, um, I don't remember if it was me or not, um, were afraid of going to the dentist. So she made a dentist kit to make kids more familiar, you know, with, with, with that the facet. That was really revolutionary, the doctor's bag, you know, the toy stethoscope, the toy <laughs> syringes. Yeah, yeah, they, they were. Uh, you know, she had quite the, you know, the female mother's touch. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, the, the uh, activism against any uh, war toys was definitely part of that. When did you take on this company? So um, I graduated from college in 1971. And uh, after that, uh, after taking a summer off, I joined the company. And then in 1979, we made the move from Brooklyn to New Jersey. And uh, my mother talked about that move as being the defining moment in my career where she saw that I did that move, and so she turned over the reins to me uh, and made me president in 1979. What toys or games rose to popularity under your leadership? Uh, well, we've had our basic, biggest successes with the game shows, uh, starting with Wheel of Fortune, which was a huge success. Then there was Double Dare, the Nickelodeon show. Uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was by far our biggest success. Uh, that was a tremendous, and, and it won the first uh, award from TODI, the Toy Industry Association. And I guess the most recent one was Deal or No Deal. What do you think it is that makes a good toy or a good game? Uh, well, you know, it's different kinds of things for different age groups, uh, but it always needs to play well. And I always say if when you finish playing a game, you want to play again, that's the true uh, point that you've made something that, you know, you want to, that you want to, that, that's a winner. Uh, and uh, when it comes to a game show, it's translating the, that viewer's uh, expe expectations from the TV to the home. Uh, and with kids, it's just giving them something that they have fun with. Just the other day, I was in a toy store, and I noticed how many toys from my childhood are now making a comeback, games like Simon. Do you think that there is a place in the industry for nostalgia? This way, parents will buy toys that they played with, and they really want their kids to play with those toys, too. Uh, over, the, over the many years, games, more than any other part to the toy industry, you know, have that rich tradition. 
and games that uh, you played are passed down to the next generation. One of our games, Rummy Cube, uh, which is our biggest success and uh, is a perennial seller year after year, has been turned from the grandparents to the kids to their kids. And most definitely, those games just never go away. And, and that's the strength and the backbone of the game industry. Now, how much of a hand have you had actually in the creation of games and toys? Any of these your ideas specifically? Uh, I wish I could say yes, but uh, quite honestly, the answer is no. I didn't create any of them. I was in on the process, and I'm kind of, uh, you know, the uh, editor or or something of, of these games. But I guess if you have a movie and you have a writer and a director, I wasn't the writer, but I might have been the director. <laughs> what is the process like? You just throw ideas out there and say, oh, that will be fun. Uh, well, it's a combination. If you're creating a new game, like based on a Scooby-Doo license or Hello Kitty, you might do it internally, or you might go to one of many professional game developers in the country and say, we'd like a game that looks like this and plays like this, but come up with the rules. So they would then do it. And I'd say that the preponderance of games in, this, in, in, in the country are, are developed by these game professionals. Jim, thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. Jim Pressman is the president of Pressman Toy. His father founded the company in 1922. You'll find them online at PressmanToy.com. Dolls have long topped the holiday wish lists of countless little girls. Even in today's digital age, dolls remain a favorite for many. Madam Alexander has been manufacturing dolls for all ages right here in New York City for more than 90 years. Joining me on the phone now is the head of marketing for Madam Alexander Doll Company. Judy Herbst is her name. Judy, thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure. So what's the history of Madam Alexander? Oh, Madame Alexander is a quintessential doll company. It was founded in New York City in 1923. Madame Alexander is actually a real person. Madame Beatrice Alexander um, was a girl growing up in New York City um, above her dad's doll hospital, one of the first doll hospitals in the country in the early 1900s. And she just fell in love with dolls because she saw that when her dad fixed dolls, it made girls happy. And she loved the idea that it brought smiles on people's faces. So she um, worked on designing dolls, and she designed one of the first dolls on her kitchen table with her family was a cloth doll that was um, a Red Cross doll. Um, and from there, it's kind of history now. She's the company, you know, she started her own company on, under her own name. And to this day, 90 plus years later, we. Um, are committed to her values and really her her vision of creating dolls that make girls happy. And it's still here in New York City. And we are still here in New York City. Our new our design studio is here in New York. The company is here in New York. And many people here at the company and in our design team and our sewing team have been with the company for 20, 30 years. Um, Madam um, is no longer with the company. She sold the company many years ago and, and passed away in the 90s. But there's a whole history of Madam Alexander that we're just very proud of. How would you know a Madam Alexander doll when you see one? Oh, that is a great question. Her dolls are, the dolls are the mold. So when you think of a doll, you think of the faces and you think of the eyes and the structure of the doll face and then the body. So Madam Alexander dolls are just beautiful, beautiful faces. So they have sparkling eyes and blink eyes are one of the trademarks. They, um, the dolls have rosy cheeks um, and painted lips. 
So they really are exquisitely looking dolls. And when you put a Madame Alexander doll up against a whole, you know, host of other dolls in the room, you do see the beautiful, sparkling um, face. And that really is what sets um, a Madame Alexander doll apart. How has the collection of Madame Alexander dolls evolved over the years? You know, Madame Alexander, when she made dolls initially, she always made dolls for girls to play with. And over the course of all, you know, of of the history of the company, the dolls became such cherished, cherished um, items that they were handed down from generation to generation. And many times customers purchased them to to save and to collect. So there started this world of collecting dolls. Madame Alexander was a very smart woman. She designed dolls that were popular of the time. So popular movies or books of her times, she created the dolls for. So today, even today, we have some fabulous licensing partners that we work with, such as Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind, um, that we will make, you know, Dorothy and Scarlet O'Hara dolls. I met a woman the other day who owned 6,000 Scarlets. Most of them were Madame Alexander dolls, and she's created her own museum. Many people love the collection, but Madame Alexander, as I said, always made dolls to be loved and played with. So Madame Alexander today has the baby collection, a play collection, and a collectible collection. You also have a Women of History collection, and as a journalist, I was very happy to see that Nellie Bly is represented yeah. there. <laughs> Isn't that fun? So our collectors um, are storytellers, and they love the the ins and outs, and in, they love the history of dolls, and they love when we do when we pick a design that really has layers and layers of details. And one and our tagline is "Love is in the details." When we go into the collection dolls and we pick a collection such as Women of History or our international collection you can find that you can see underneath. We really spend that attention to detail, to the accessories, to the story of the of the character that we are crafting. What was your favorite doll growing up, Judy? Did you have a Madame Alexander that you remember? You know what? I always loved the ballerinas because I always had, I always aspired to be a ballerina. I am not a dancer, and I am probably the clustiest person out there. But I loved, because I think it's just beautiful, so going to the ballet, I always had a memory. And you know what? My my doll was a gift. In many cases, I think the dolls are given as gifts. And collectible dolls especially are given by grandmothers and aunts and can be, you know, that first collection doll that um, commemorates a cherished moment. Judy, you mentioned that doll hospital that Madame Alexander's father had. Now, my understanding is that doll hospital is no longer open. Am I correct? Well, the doll hospital, um, the company kept the a doll hospital always open so that of any of the collectible dolls, they always restring them. And um, the company today still has some of the same staff um, here that knows all, you know, knows how to restring and rewig a doll. And many times the dolls that we do get in um, are dolls that want to be handed down to their grandchildren. And they're many times the older baby dolls, you know, 18-inch baby dolls that are from the 50s and 60s. So as of today, our doll hospital um, is being revamped. So while um, we still pride ourselves on the doll hospital, we are ready to reopen it, um, just not at the moment, but we know it is um, something near and dear to many of our customers. Judy, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. 
Judy Herbst is the head of marketing for Madame Alexander Doll Company. You're listening to Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Good morning once again. I'm George Boldarki. Next on Cityscape, we visit a toy store on Manhattan's Upper East Side that stocks Madame Alexander dolls, as well as a whole lot of other toys, books, and games. Mary Arnold Toys was established in 1931 and is billed as New York's oldest continuously operating toy store. It's currently run by father-daughter team Ezra and Judy Ishaik. I recently paid a visit to their store. What's the history of Mary Arnold Toys? From what we can gather, it's, uh, there was a husband and wife, uh, Mary and Arnold, and they established this store on uh, 70th and Lexington Avenue, 1931. And they were there for, as far as we know, maybe 12 or 14, uh, 15 years. And then it went through few ownership, and I believe we are the fourth owner. What inspired you to get into the toy business? <laughs> it's funny, us. Well, I used to be in the gifts and cards, and uh, so uh, my brother, who was working at the time for the telephone company, he said, "I wa- I want to come and uh, go in business." So we found this <laughs> a small toy store in uh, Lexington Avenue, and we say we're gonna buy it. <laughs> Just like that. Just like that. Yeah. <laughs> now, was your daughter around at that point in time? No, she wasn't born by that. <laughs> she wasn't born by by that time. But uh, that's what. So we, me and my brother, we we uh, actually he was running the store. I have uh, I had different businesses. Uh, at one store, my Macy's in downtown, and a few other things. And uh, he was running it, and he uh, took care of it like a baby, like his baby. <laughs> so, how long ago was this now? This was, I believe, in 1983. Okay, so your daughter is younger than that, and now you're involved in the business. Yes, um, my aunt and my uncle, who were part of that partnership in 1983, they retired a few years ago, and at that point I had graduated college, I had my master's in education, I was teaching in New Jersey, and um, it seemed like another a new opportunity for me to come to the city and help my dad and run a toy store, which has been really amazing. And also, it's really something special to keep the family tradition going. It's been in my family. And like Ezra said, for my aunt and my uncle, they really put their heart and soul in it. And if I can add to that and continue that, it's really something special for me. What was it like growing up? with a family that owned a toy store? It's a very interesting question, and I like how Ezra's giggling in the corner here. You know, you would have never known that we had a toy store. It really, they, it wasn't present in our family um, conversation. They, you know, we came here just a few times, um, and they really kept it very low-key. We had a lot of puzzles. We had a lot of brain teaser games. Um, 
but it wasn't an overabundance of presents coming home. You know, we celebrated birthdays and holidays, but it wasn't an everyday thing, which I appreciate now. <laughs> There's one thing I'm still bitter about. We never got an Easy Bake Oven, my sister and you I. You never got an Easy Bake Oven. We never got an Easy Bake Oven. We're still a little bit um, <laughs> upset about that, but we've, we, you know, we've made it up in the past. And now... Um, I get to share that story with my customers, <laughs> and I make sure every girl in New York City gets an easy bake, a girl or a boy gets an easy bake oven. Ezra, what's with that? How come you never <laughs> give your daughter an easy bake? Never be. <laughs> Always they wishing for something more, you know, never spoil them. So, <laughs> and I think it was a good idea and it worked. <laughs> How much did you have to learn about the toy business when you got started with it? We we didn't know much about it, to be honest with you. But one thing that we did all the time, we always have uh, employees that are loyal. We, we are very fussy who do we hire, and we try to keep our employees happy and stay for a long time. And, and that is always what, what we did. Uh, so we learned from our employees uh, in the beginning until we learned the business. How would you say the industry has changed since you got involved with it in 1983? The industry changed a lot. It's, uh, it, it, it's more electronics. Uh, when it, it used to be before like blocks and things to do and it'll now is a, a lot of it electronic even for one year or two years you know it's so uh, also it's in it's like less competitive uh, the competition is is uh, is much bigger than before so you have to be careful what to buy, and uh, it's, it's much bigger, much different. So how do you remain relevant in today's electronic world? We really try and get the newest and greatest um, toys. We try and have a selection of what's new for the year. The traditional toys still sell well. There's still a nice space, but... Um, um, a lot of the electronic toys that come out, we, we try and carry and we explain it to our customers. And um, it's what the kids want. The new Leap Pad is out. It's doing really well. Um, and it's just something we're trying to grow with and explore with. What are among the more traditional toys that still sell? Ooh, let's see. Um, the Rubik's Cube, the Magic 8-Ball, um, Legos, even though they've revamped it a little bit, still really popular. Um, Jack in the Box always sells out. Mr. Potato Head always sells out. And um, even just our, our unit blocks, classic blocks, um, and the baby toys, just simple stackers. You know, that stuff is always going to be really well. And there's actually a line of um, of toys like the C and Say, like the old Fisher-Price record player. And I think when customers see those retro-looking toys, it brings back a sense of nostalgia. You know, they had one when they were little, and now they're shopping for... Um, their son or daughter, niece or nephew, and, and they want to share that experience with the kids. And it's, it's something that's special. I just bought Operation you for did? my nephews, yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, oh, the yeah. classic board games. And it's really interesting because now um, the board game companies will revamp and update some of the board games. So 
there's another company that came out with classic versions of Monopoly, Candyland, Twister, and I'll tell you, these are doing really, really well. The classic illustrations, the classic rules, um, those really are being competitive with the updated versions. I saw on my way in, Ezra, that you have a nice collection of good old-fashioned teddy bears. That's what we always do. We have the <laughs> all kind of teddy bears. They're still selling. <laughs> How much of a part of the community is this toy store, this neighborhood? We have uh, customers that stop coming for a while when the, the children grow up. And when the grandchildren come uh, come in, then they come back and they, you know, we were out for ten years. Now we are back. And we 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 sell all over America, you know. As the, the girl was eight years old, bought in this store, and moved to Florida, she still called, and she sent for a, for a grandchild. So uh, we uh, almost ten percent of our business is just phone phone calls, and we ship on a daily basis all over America. To what do you attribute the longevity of this store? Is it that is it customer loyalty? I think customer loyalty has a big part of um, of that combination. You know. Our neighborhood, we're very lucky that our neighborhood and our customers um, are excited that we're in their neighborhood. They're excited we're part of the community. The kids love coming here. The parents love coming here. And like Ezra was saying, the grandparents love that we're still in the neighborhood. Um, the customers have a giant part um, to do with that. Uh, they're we try and give back to them by giving them customer service and being up to date with the newest toys that the kids want um, and having a nice selection of, of, of toys. Um, but I think it is a very special place. You know, there are customers around here where their children, it's the first place the kids go by themselves. You know, when you're just, you're eight or nine or 10 and, and you're just going around the corner um, the toy store, Mary Arnold Toys, is, is a place where we'll know the kids, we'll know the parents. And um, we've heard stories before of parents and kids saying it's the, it's the first place that they came on their own in New York, which is, which is something special. It's a nice experience. Ezra, a lot has changed since the 1980s, no question about that. We also went through a recession. Was there ever a point in time during the history when you thought, wow, I'm not sure if we're going to survive this one? No. Never. <laughs> we, uh, obviously, things got tougher, no doubt about it. But uh, we we are there. We, we still, <laughs> we're going to be there for another uh, eight years. <laughs> Do you remember the toys that you played with as a child? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Can I say something here? Yeah. This is one of my favorite stories because there are two stories actually happening here. There's one about Ezra and his brother and his sister running the toy store. But it's also a story about, you know, the American dream. They came here as immigrants and they started from the bottom up working in stationery and the phone company. And they were lucky enough to, you know, be blessed and be able to run their own business. But from where is the family? Uh, we are from uh, Iraq. Uh, we, I, I, I ran away from there. We are Jews from Iraq, so you had to escape and we had to escape, escape uh, through the border. And uh, I left my house, 
closed the door and walked away. A miraculous story indeed, mm -hmm. no question about that. So that's one story. That's one story, and, and I really enjoy it because um, when someone asks that, because in Baghdad and Iraq, you know, they didn't, toy stores were not on the corner of their street. And so, Ezra, what was your favorite toy to play with? <laughs> uh, maybe a uh, dreidel or something. <laughs> wow, a whole different world, huh? Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> Yeah, no, no toys. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, well, now I have uh, too old. I'm too old to play with the toys. You're never too old to play with toys. Never too old, right? <laughs> yeah. Now I have all the uh, toys in the world. <laughs> How much joy does this bring you and your family? It brings us a lot of joy every day. Um, to see the customers coming back again, you know, you grow with the children, to see our staff, you know, coming in every day, and they're, they're so knowledgeable and so helpful. And then personally for me, I got to work with my dad every day, which is amazing, and it's something special that not everyone gets to do. And I think we're enjoying our time here. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Ezra, thank you. Thank you very much. That was Ezra and Judy Ishayek. They're a father and daughter team and president and vice president of Mary Arnold Toys in Manhattan. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. You can find past episodes of the show in our archives at wfuv.org slash cityscape. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes as well as like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We're listed on both social media sites as WFUV's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. My thanks to producer Taylor Nolk. Have a great weekend. It's WFUV and WFUV HD New York. Listener-supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. Music discovery starts here. <laughs>